Hello and welcome to Horror Court Trash Over, the show that discusses all the masterpieces and trash to pieces of genre cinema. My name's Chris. And I'm Gary. And this week we're kind of bridging a gap between November and December. We are. Kind of. If, yeah. If you've uh, been listening, obviously we have Nasty November and in December we have Christmas. And this is a nasty Christmas. It is. <laughs> Spectacular. It is. Bizarre that this was a video nasty, but it, it is. Yeah, yeah. So let me explain myself because that, that didn't come. That wasn't very clear. Um, we're talking about Christmas Evil. Yes, also known as. Better watch out. You better watch out. Oh, I better watch you out. Better Excuse watch me, out. is that a threat? Um, but yeah, no. Um, it was on the video nasty list. It was, and we just spent a month talking about. The video nasties with some fabulous guests, and uh, it's also a Christmas film, kind of a little bit Thanksgiving as well. Yeah, yeah. So it's good timing for it. Good timing for it. Yeah, we are starting that Christmas schedule <laughs> and getting yeah. you in the Christmas spirit with a dark, thought-provoking, and disturbing character study. Yes, yeah. With some weird. Dark humour in it as well. Yeah, so, so it's an interesting. Yeah, it's a very interesting film. It's John Waters' favourite Thanksgiving and Christmas film. So yes. I think that tells you everything you need to know. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, it's written and directed by Lewis Jackson, uh, who also did the transformation, a sandwich of nightmares. Right. He came up with the idea. Uh, that's all he did. He came up with the basic idea for this film after smoking weed one night during the 1970s and seeing a vision of Santa Claus holding a knife. And then we got this entire film. Oh, well, okay. Yeah. Uh, although the success of Halloween ultimately allowed this film to be made, this was written earlier. Uh, Jackson doesn't consider this film to be a slasher film, but rather a film that's more in common with Frankenstein. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um... We're going to spend a, the majority of this episode telling you how this isn't a slasher film. It's got slasher elements towards um, the end, but I don't know why this is on 88 Films' slasher classics collection. Sorry, guys. If you want to sponsor us, still do, please. Um, <laughs> but this is, yeah. It, this is often referred to as a slasher film, and I'm not entirely sure why. It's thrown in with the slasher films. Yeah. Because... In 1980, it was marketable to mm. be thrown in with the slasher films. Yeah. And got on to the video nasties because of the whole Santa, murderer. Um, what's that film? Silent Night, Deadly Night. Silent Night. Predates, this predates Silent Night, Predates Deadly Night. that, but Silent Night, Deadly Night was the one that got all the yeah, backlash. Yeah, that's the one that got the Santa is a murderer. Yeah. But that was around the time in the video nasties. Mm-hmm. So this would have been put on the list because it's Killer Santa. Yeah. It was made on a budget of $850,000. Uh, and I don't know how much it made worldwide. But what I can tell you, um, and what I can provide you with, are some quotes mm-hmm. from comment cards given out after uh, test screenings. <laughs> yeah. Brace yourself. Now, this is, don't take in mind, this is 1980. Uh, or maybe 1979, depends when the screening took place. Oh, yeah, I'm going to say true. 1980. Uh, it was rated fair by a 31-year-old male who said it beats Bing Crosby. 
Now, I'm not going to tell you all of these. There are more out there. Go and have a look. But I'm telling you the best ones. Um, rated dumb by a 25-year-old female said, This movie sucked. I wasted a good two hours of my time. Rated fair by a 23-year-old male who said, What was this supposed to prove? What do you mean, what was it supposed to prove? Why did it have to prove anything? It proves that seeing your parents having sex is going to ruin the rest of your life. I know, yeah. Rated poor by a 25-year-old female who said, should not be shown around Christmas. It'll give weirdos bad ideas. Now, I reckon the Tories in the UK saw that comments card and were like, <laughs> do you know what, 25-year-old female? It sounds like Mary Whitehouse. <laughs> You're onto something here. <laughs> I think we've seen a target audience form here. Yeah. Uh, rated stupid by a 25-year-old female who said, I like Harry, where can I meet him? <gasps> I suppose that kind of proves the point of the last comic card, actually. <laughs> uh, rated poor by a 24-year-old female who said, you can't be serious. This is the worst movie I've ever seen. Over. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm jealous of, of that person. Um, I wish this was the worst film. Could I've you seen. imagine if this was the worst film you'd ever seen? <laughs> Rated poor by a 60-year-old male who just said, Why? Rated fair by a 56-year-old male who said, Very poor taste. Undermines the spirit... Oh, sorry. I need, I need a different voice for this. Very poor taste. Undermines the spirit of Christmas. Another reason, yet another reason, to get Santa out of Christmas. Oh. Get a fucking life. Oh, wow. Bloody hell. Somebody's <laughs> taking it way back, aren't they? Fucking <laughs> hell. Rated poor by a 36-year-old male who said, It's so amateurish, the movie is hardly worthy of any comments. I'm truly sorry I came to see it. <laughs> oh, no. You should pay for it, did you? Rated poor by a 31-year-old male who said, Tedious, boring, and a real waste of time. Lack of dialogue. No, that's not. Um, no, I... I don't think it's a bad thing. It's definitely a slow burn. Yeah. Character study. And... But I'd say there's through a lot of dialogue. Do you think <laughs> there's so? There's a fair bit. If you go on to IMDb and you go on to the quotes section, there's only actually three quotes. Yeah, it's not the most quotable film. No, but I feel like a lot of it is kind of dialogue free. Do you not mm. think a lot of the scenes where Harry's by himself? I suppose, yeah. You know, Harry is alone yeah. at heart. You know, yeah, that makes not through choice. Uh, rated fair by a 62-year-old male who said, bad title and bad ending. I mean, you're wrong on both of those things. Um, Stupid title, but, yeah, you know, yeah. it works. Rated fair by a 57-year-old male who said, movie drags, poor for children. Don't think it's made for children. This is where the rated R comes into things. Rated good by a 28-year-old male who said, mob scene with torture seemed a little fake. Spoiler alert, the film ends with a van flying off into the sky. Yeah. And on to the final two, and these are good. Uh, rated very poor by a 25-year-old female who said, You better watch out, was the weirdest, dumbest, stupidest, silliest movie I've ever seen. Again, look at you. And finally, rated poor by a 25-year-old, and in this sex section, whether it's male, female, or non-binary, but, you know, it was 1980, so people pretend it didn't exist Oliver conversation. Uh, instead, it put sex. Yes, please. Oh my god! And in comments, he put walked out. Oh, wish it was Porky's. What a cool guy! 
Nothing like Animal so, House. With that being said, um, what does that tell you about audiences in 1980? <laughs> they weren't ready for this. <laughs> I, I think a lot of the... Yeah. Um, it, it's it, the year of Friday the 13th. It is. I know this is 1980, by the way, because there was another comment card that made comments about how this isn't going to appeal to the audiences of The Fog, Friday the 13th, and Halloween. I see. Um, it, I think some of them may have been disappointed it wasn't a slasher film. Yeah. Um, I think there's a definite audience for horror. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it does tend to be males between a certain age. That's changing now. And yeah. it's really opening Thanks up. So. You know, yeah. everyone can be a fan of horror now. But it feels like there was a certain demographic yeah. throughout history. Um, a lot of the female, I was I was surprised that a lot of the females didn't like the film because mm-hmm. it's not. It's actually not sleazy. It's in not sleazy, and it's only one woman's actually killed in the film. It's, yeah, it's not a slasher film, so there's not a huge amount of kills. Mm-hmm. But it's not one of those films you could throw into the misogyny no um sort of conversation but these are test screenings so who the hell knows who these people are yeah really if they're not horror fans mm-hmm. then they're not horror fans yeah. this is just a test screening if they were like mm, i wish it was love story or the way we were yeah you know so it's difficult yeah i think it's getting the court following now um, oh, absolutely. I mean, personally, I'm an advocate for this film and I will defend it to the death because it is way better than it has any right to be. And it's actually, oddly, one of those films that only gets better the more you watch it, I find. Um, I, the, the less expectations you have of it, yeah. the better it is. It's definitely. quite jarring at first when you're expecting a slasher film. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, I really enjoyed the first time I watched it. I liked it again the second time. And this time, I just, I just my rating even went up. I was just like, yeah, I, I really love this film. If anybody is expecting Friday the 13th, they will be sorely disappointed. Yeah. yeah. You know, watch Silent Night, Deadly Night. Should we talk about who's in it? Absolutely. In a section we like to call, Hey, are you Fiona Apple's dad? Like, really? Yeah. <laughs> or also known, Hey, I know ho, 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 you. <laughs> Dickhead. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'm sorry, I've spoiled the first one, but yeah. Brandon uh, Maggart. Yeah, our lead, lead gentleman, our lead player, father of Fiona Apple. Wow. That's, wow. I you know, I, I had no idea Fiona Apple was, was Nepo baby. Wow. Um, well, I don't know. In Christmas Evil, is that Nepo? Wow. Also. He's most famous. We, um, yeah. Also the star of Dress to Kill, Brothers. Um, yeah. Uh, the World According to Garp, Murder, She Wrote, Bachelor Man, Living in Fear, Dream Day, and more. Um, yeah, I suppose. Um, well, Maybe. I mean, regardless of what he's been in and regardless of who he conceived, uh, Brandon Maggart gives a... It's not a 10 out of 10 film, but he gives a 10 out of 10 performance. He is so fucking good. I, I'm going to probably say this a few times. But for a role that so easily could have been hammy, yeah, and over the top and stupid and mm-hmm. garbage day, yeah, adjacent, uh huh, it's not. It's actually nuanced, and he does a great job, and he knows when to perform the highs and the lows mm-hmm. for it to work, yeah, 
Um, I think it's a fantastic actor. It's a fantastic performance. Um, it's shocking that he didn't do more. Yeah. Because if you look at uh, Letterboxd, as, as we're inclined to do, his most popular films are Dressed to Kill, which I had no idea he was in Dressed to Kill. Yeah. You know, he's certainly not a star player in that. And Christmas Evil. Yeah. So I think he was very much a bit player after this. Mm-hmm. Or maybe he did some TV that we're not aware of. Um, yeah, I think it's disappointing because this is a great performance. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe people didn't recognize that because he was called fucking Christmas Evil. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> so many people would have just <laughs> tossed this film aside because of the poster, yeah. because of the trailer, because of the name. I, I can't imagine at the 1981 Oscars nominated for Best Actor in a Leading know, Role. Yeah. His performance in Christmas Evil. Yeah. Uh, someone else who also gives a good performance, a very good performance, is Jeffrey DeMunn, who plays Philip Stadlin. He was in The Green Mile, The Mist, The Hitcher, The Blob Remake, Walking Dead, Shawshank Redemption, Burn After Reading, and more. So someone who did go on to uh, bigger things. Yeah, yeah. He hasn't got the juiciest role in this. He's, he's all right. He does his... He does his... Um... Working out routine quite well, doesn't he? Yeah. Does his uh, brotherly thing. But yeah. Yeah. I think it's good. He's, good. he's fine. He's fine. There's only one real standout character in this. And that is Jackie Stadlin. <laughs> Not <quite>. <laughs> Played by <laughs> Diane Hall. Uh, star of uh, Spencer, Princess Diana the Musical. Oh, no, wait, sorry. That's just who she looks like. Um, star of Amazing Stories, The New Adventures of Pippi Longstocking, Hot Summer Week, The Magic Garden of Stanley Sweetheart, Murder 101, The Onion Field, The Fifth Floor, and more. In a role originally uh, auditioned for by Kathleen Turner. Yeah, so she Kathleen Turner was, down. She was, yeah, she was up for it. I think also I read Glenn Close oh. auditioned as mm. well, but she wasn't like close in the running. Thank you. Um, but yeah, imagine if it was Kathleen Turner. Oh, yeah. Do you know who she actually gives? Um, and I said this at the time whilst we were watching. Yeah. She's giving me... Um, <laughs> you? Susanna... Yeah, she did remind me of you She's a bit. <laughs> Susanna York. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Which, if you get that reference, then it's way past your bedtime. Um, yeah. I, I, it, was just, it was just Princess Die for me. Um, she was. I do get a Susanna York thing as well, but there's like a scene where she's just pacing back and forth whilst pouting, and it's like okay, and she's in an outfit that she would have worn as well. Yeah, this this, and I don't. You know, it's no disservice to the other actors, but this is a one man show. Yeah, it's, it's a one man band. This film, it lives and dies on one performance. The others could whatever, and they do a fine job, but it, there's one performance that this film hinges on. Yeah. And that's the, the main one, obviously. And that is Ellen McAuduff as Harry's mother. <laughs> Star of Maximum Overdrive, Little Man Tate, Working Girls, with an S, sorry. JFK, Imposters, Chain Letters, Dead End Kids, Desperate Hours, No Looking Back, and more. And she is the star of the show because it's all her fault. Um, her, yeah, her, her wanting to get down and dirty with her husband on Christmas Eve. 
Um, can I Working Girls? A Working yeah. Girl is one of my favorite films for, for anyone listening. It's the sequel. Um, it's not the sequel. It actually came before Working oh, Girl. Prequel. It's a Lizzie Borden film, and uh, it's about a lesbian college graduate trying to bankroll her own photography business who works as a high-priced New York escort, and it looks amazing. That is now added to my watch list. That is on my watch list as we speak. Shall we talk about our feature presentation, which, sadly, isn't working girls. It's evil. Yes. This Christmas, Santa's <laughs> going to make everyone happy. <laughs> the grown-ups. And the kids. Christmas evil. The non-believers. Watch out! And the screamers. And this Christmas, you better believe in Santa, or he'll slay you. Merry Christmas, Frank. Christmas Evil, the night he dropped in. So, in suburban New Jersey, on Christmas Eve 1947, do you appreciate the snow in this film? Um, I, yes. Some of it looks very fake. Well, just so you know, it was actually cut pieces of plastic bags thrown around uh, by a fan. What have we done to the world? <laughs> what have we done? So, we're in New Jersey... Um, no, I've got no real housewife. Teresa Giudice, it's Christmas. <laughs> Waking up in the morning. She's got On sprinkled cookies. <laughs> I can buy so many things. Um, she's been delivered sprinkle cookies and she doesn't like sprinkle cookies. No. <laughs> it's a Teresa reference. Santa Claus arrives down the chimney. It's <laughs> Iconic housewife's Christmas moments. I mean, it's usually in the uh, Ham- um, Hamptons. Hamptons isn't it? Yeah. No, the Berkshires. The Berkshires. The Berkshires. Yeah, you're thinking Bluestone of Bluestone Manor. Uh, you're just thinking of Barefoot Contessa. I am. Yes. Santa Claus arrives down the chimney whilst uh, a young boy named Harry Stadlin and his younger brother named Phil Stadling and their mother, who doesn't get a name, watch him from the <laughs> stairs. Um. Now this is this is. Great, the service scene, because it's just, it's kind of like a bit of magic. Like, his feet's the pier. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a little confusing. The that, that's a well-greased chimney, because he manages to go down the chimney and go up the chimney with quite a bit of ease. Do Americans, and I know we've had a few on the podcast, but it's not really a sort of question I'll ask them. Um, and <laughs> most of our listeners are in America. <laughs> you must be so confused, bless you. Um... And please write in and tell us, do Americans, it's going to be a stupid question, but did the dads actually dress up as Santa and go down the fucking chimney? Because, I mean, why is this a normal thing in this film? And also, you know, there's obviously the, the famous quote from Gremlins as well, uh, the depressing quote. Um, it's kind of like, and there's always the gag of people getting stuck in chimneys and stuff. It's like, it, where's this come from? I mean, we obviously know the, the lore of Santa coming down the chimney. Yeah, great. But in films, sometimes they act like the dads actually go down the chimney. <laughs> it's, 
if, if, if anyone's ever done that, props to you. That's a lot of effort to tell a lie to a kid. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I suppose the, the strangest part of Oh, this... and if you haven't done it, please don't try it after we've said it. Thank yeah, you. no. Do not try this at home. Um, the strangest part of this is the fact that the kids and the mum are sat on the stairs. Yeah. Not stealthy at all. No. They're very clearly there. And they watch him um, come down the chimney. Yeah. Um, Excuse so... me. <laughs> well, he actually does come down the chimney <laughs> later. Um... <laughs> but, and then he's putting all the presents out in search. Um, where was I? <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, why are they watching him? I thought the whole idea is that Santa doesn't come if you're watching... <laughs> Santa doesn't visit if you're watching him. But then they're watching him. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Let's not get... Let's not, let's not think too much into it. Yeah. I mean, let's take in mind this family's troubling representation of Santa is what causes a guy to kill people. So it all adds up. Another piece to the puzzle. Um, he leaves the presence and Silent has... Silent Night, Deadly Night. Yeah. The guy that dresses up as Santa... Yeah. ...goes into his daughter's window... Yeah. ...as she's sleeping. Mm-hmm. Why is he dressed up as Santa to do all that if he doesn't want to wake her up? Why is he going through her window is the question. Exactly. It's fucking This ridiculous. is very confusing. I mean... This whole Santa... I'm sure we had this conversation on that episode, I so go back and listen to that. I saw kissing Santa Claus. This whole shebang around Okay, that. don't it's even get me confusing. started on this fucking bullshit. Why is the law that mum is so fucking horny that she cannot wait until he goes back to bed and takes the Santa outfit off? She has to get him by the tree. Uh, excuse me? We watch that Golden Girls episode every single year. <laughs> Blanche Devereaux loves a man in a Santa suit. That's true, but that's one woman. I mean, like, this law has gone on forever. And then you get to the Slade song, and it's like, what What does your daddy do when he sees your mum kissing Santa Claus? Honestly, Noddy Holder, what the fuck do you think he does? He's probably fucking going ballistic. Also, that is the dad. So if there's two in the same place, that's going to be a real complicated... What the fuck am I talking about? <laughs> I feel like we've lost control. But do you, do you know what I mean? Like, that lyric is so fucking dumb. Merry Christmas, everyone. Anyway. Um, <laughs> are we done with Maybe this? Maybe we just didn't have parents that cared enough <laughs> no, we didn't. to dress up as Santa. No, no. I well, don't remember leaving. Well, my granddad dressed as Santa once. Oh. Yeah, fucking terrifying. Um... Um, but yeah, no, I fucking hate uh, this whole mummy kissing Santa Claus thing. Drives me mad. Anyway. I feel like taking it a little too seriously. Yeah. Man. Well, I mean, someone does take it too seriously in this film. Um, <laughs> too seriously. <laughs> he leaves, Santa leaves the presents and his milk and cookies. Uh, Philip laughs, Santa spots him and disappears up the chimney, uh, before riding away on his reindeer. So it's a little glimpse into Harry's psyche. Yeah. So do you think that uh, this is a question that we can ask for the whole of the film? Yeah. Is do you think it's all in Harry's head? Because I don't feel like his dad 
could perform the chimney escape. I mean, he appeared there like, you know, Dorothy trying to leave Oz. Like, his, his feet just appears. Yeah. So it's kind of like... Yeah, that's obviously his imagination. His dad's not actually magic. Um, or else, in a few minutes, the woman he's trying to pleasure wouldn't be just laughing at him. Um, but, yeah, no, that's I think that's definitely his imagination. I think they're actually watching the dad there putting the presents out. But I think the appearing in the chimney is definitely imagination. Yeah, but how much... So, are we seeing the film yeah, from through Harry's his eyes. perspective? Yeah. So, what we have for a lot of the film is Harry's viewpoint. Yeah. So, he it's an unreliable narrator, yeah. as they would say. Yeah. So that, that, I think that... Very interesting. Very interesting in terms of rewatches of the film and realising, like, oh, okay, what is true and what is not yeah. in this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Harry's like, oh god, I can't believe Santa's there. Phillip's like, you're a fucking idiot. Like, that's obviously dad. Um, so Harry gets all upset about it and goes downstairs and finds, and who, what does he find? He finds his mother being sexually groped by Santa Claus while she just stands there laughing at him. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm gonna be honest here. All that he really does is rub her in a fight. <laughs> And he does it for a very long time. I don't know how traumatic this would be. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I don't wish to judge. But um, for me, it's just a bit of a fire rub. It's so weird how we had this era of uh, this big wave of slasher films where, and horror films in general, where kids see their parents getting it on and it leads to them being killers. <laughs> it's... Yeah, it's a very strange one. Obviously, um... Everyone's favourite genre, clearly. Since Psycho, the mother, mm-hmm. murderer, entanglement has been at the forefront of yeah. a lot of these slasher films. Um, it's a, it's a weird one, though, because... I don't know, I don't wish to judge anyone else's trauma, but in terms of what could happen, seeing his mum getting a fire rubbed from Santa... <laughs> I, I I don't I don't think this is the reason. But this is also him realizing that it's his that Santa Claus is his dad. Yeah. So I feel like that's in this film. I feel like that's the bigger trigger rather than the fire rub. We just needed a little sauciness for the uh, trailer. Yeah, basically. Yeah. And and also going back, if Mummy wants to kiss Santa Claus, then you know what? Good for her. Good for her. We're sex positive on this podcast. Um, but I know well, she's cheating on her husband. Well, I mean, depends who her husband is. But the, the problem is, the thing is, you know, Melania Trump kisses Santa Claus. I, I hope she does. Props to you, Mama. But the thing is, you know, it's the point I'm trying to put over is it's kind of misogynistic. There's always the assumption that mummy's kissing Santa Claus. Why isn't daddy kissing Santa Claus? Is what I want to know. It's a whole other kind of film. Um, traumatized, Harry rushes up to the attic. Smashes a snow globe and cuts his hand with a shard of glass from it. And we get the opening credits. And then 33 years later, an adult Harry works in a low-level position at the Jolly Dream Toy Factory, where his colleagues consider him a schmuck and make fun of him. 
At home, he's taken it upon himself to become the next true Santa. He sleeps in costume and his apartment is resplendent with Christmas decor. Um, now, we did. Love it or hate it. Uh, we enjoyed it ourselves. Um, we did a films to watch before Joker list, didn't we? Before that was released. We did, yes. Back, back in whenever it was released, 2019, whatever. Why wasn't this on there? Um, because this is pretty much cinematic parallels throughout a lot of this a lot of the same plot um, but of course it makes sense because I think this in itself is taking a fair bit from Taxi Driver yes and the fact that someone sat down one day and thought we need a Christmas Taxi Driver that is fucking wild yeah I I believe that this film has way more in common with the American New Wave cinema of the 70s yeah. than it does the slasher films mm-hmm. of the early 80s. Yeah. Um, it's, abs- it's, yeah, it, it's, it's Travis Bickle in a Santa suit. Yeah. It's somebody struggling to deal with their own mental health mm-hmm. issues and how they perceive society. And yeah. they struggle with interacting with the world. Mm-hmm. Um, in Harry's case, it's the adult world. Yeah. He doesn't struggle in interacting with children. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll obviously discuss that as we go along. But it's very interesting. Also, Frankenstein, massively. Oh, yeah. The, you know, the, the moment I found out that he was influenced by Frankenstein, you, you can see it. Yeah. In, in numerous scenes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think... I think with age comes new ways of interpreting things as well. And I definitely think that you could look at this as a way of um, commenting on the lack of support for mental health problems back in the late 70s, early 80s. Mm -hmm. uh, And the stigma surrounded because this guy's here alone. He hasn't really got the attention he needs from his family. And he he certainly hasn't got any sort of medical uh, help. Or no, anything. No. And uh, yeah, he believes he's Santa Claus and goes around killing people. So, in one way, I suppose if you look at it in black and white, it might be bad mental health representation. But if you look into the deeper meanings of it, which may not have existed at the time, but I think can be added to it now, which would make a lot of sense, uh, it's actually just uh, a look into that time and the lack of support available. Yeah. Yeah. Not that I think people went around killing people. As no, sports, no, but... it's obviously an extreme. And it, it is a horror film. And it's, there's always going to be that grey area with with horror. And sort of the, its depiction of mental illness. Yeah. Um, I think this does a good job. But yeah. also recognising it's 43 years of, mm-hmm. you know, old. So we would like to see things a little different. Yeah. Uh, this is when it gets... Really creepy quite early on. Um, He spies on neighborhood children to see if they're being good or bad and keeps detailed records of their behavior. So he thinks Scotty's a good boy um, because he takes the trash out. He thinks uh, Susie... Now, his relationship with Susie is really uncomfortable. He's just like, oh, such a pretty little girl. Such a good girl. Oh, that's fucking weird. Um, And then there's Moss Garcia... (laughs) 
Mas Garcia. Bad boy Mas Garcia. Um, so he's definitely bad uh, because he's reading Penthouse magazine uh, with Debbie Harry on the front of it. <laughs> and he's cutting out a photo of a topless beauty. Um, Harry is fuming. Yeah, he's fuming because Mas Garcia, he's cut out this topless photo of this woman and for some reason is holding it away from himself <laughs> so that Harry can see it through the window. That didn't quite make sense to me. Um, can I ask a question? Yeah. These kids' parents never heard of a net curtain. <laughs> that you can peer right through the fucking there is window. Literally, there is literally a creepy old man looking through his window watching these children because he can. Yeah. <laughs> Like, just, like, is it a thing in American net curtains? Like, you have, like, a, a lacy curtain over your window um, at all times. So... I remind you of Rear Window, Disturbia, Fright Night. A lot of, yeah, but I feel like that's, you know, um, just films being films. Sort of, because it's, I don't know, it's a lot of films, actually. Yeah. Where I don't think I've seen net curtains in, in American films. No, <laughs> is that a British thing? Net curtains, maybe. Oh, that's camp. Net curtains are camp. I couldn't imagine someone just being able to watch me. <laughs> no, <laughs> I mean, do do you agree? Net curtains are camp. Net curtains are very yeah. camp. Very yeah. camp. You can't get masculine net curtains. No, no, you can't. And why should you? Yeah. Harry's co-worker Frank asks Harry to cover a shift on the assembly line in order to be with his family. Can I just this is backtrack just slightly? Yeah. Um, so keeping track of people's behaviour and judging based on his own moral compass, Harry would have loved Twitter. Oh yeah, <laughs> making little notes. He'd have been like Gossip Girl. He'd have been like <laughs> tweeting about the kids, like He'd who's doing what. Like... <laughs> Holding evidence against people to use them in the future. He would have been a big Twitter star. <laughs> or whatever the fuck he calls him. He's famous on Twitter. Um, yeah, so uh, Frank needs him to cover a shift. But on the way home from work, Harry sees Frank drinking with friends at a local bar. Frank goes to a lot of effort to get this shift swapped. Like, he goes to all the other guys like, yeah, I'm going on holiday with my lady. And uh, they're kind of, they're all like, no, I ain't fucking covering your shift. But, like, he's doing all this just so he could go to the pub. But he essentially tells Harry to cover his shift yeah. as well. The confusing part is, surely, and this is through my history of working behind a bar, if you're covering someone's shift, you get paid for that shift. Yeah. It's not Harry covering and him, you know, what Frank getting paid for it. Yeah. Harry, because Harry works in the office anyway, so he'd make sure that mm -hmm. that's sort of moved over. Yeah. So, I don't, you know... Anyway, he also eats Harry's sandwich, which is very mm -hmm. rude. Um, it's... So what Frank uses against Harry in the end is that Harry said that he misses the assembly line since he took the role in the office. Um, which is interesting, because yeah. he wants to be closer to the toys. Yes, it's, it's kind of... It's, it's actually, I think it's really well made, the way they do this, in the way that... He's, you know, giving that sort of Santa and the other workers are his elves yeah. sort of thing. And it's in a dingy factory with a bunch of guys yeah. talking behind his back. And 
it's I think it kind of adds to that dark comedy side yes. of it because it is kind of funny. Um, but at the same time, it also adds to how sad his story is that that's how he sees his job as him as sad, yeah, yeah, and he misses being one mm-hmm. of the elves. Um, I love the poster behind him in the office. Yeah. Because Santa looks so sinister. It does. And the film knows that Santa looks incredibly sinister. And does like Mm -hmm. a a zoom in on Santa's evil eyes. (laughs) And there's these moments of um, dark Mm humour. It's it's a bit like Texas Chainsaw Massacre where people don't recognise the dark Mm humour because the rest of it's so dark and yeah. sad and depressing. Mm-hmm. Uh, distressed by Frank's duplicity, Harry breaks one of his dollhouse figures whilst humming Christmas songs. Um, okay. I don't know if you notice, but do you not think Harry's running is rather camp? It is a lot of camp. Because he runs away from the bar, runs home, and it, it is... I don't know. I just... People running in public... With no explanation. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't find marathon runners camp. No. But running for no apparent reason, uh, it's it's camp. But I think it's a character choice with the fact that he's so obsessed with Santa. That he's this cartoonish... Whoa! <laughs> that he runs like a little golly. kid on Christmas yeah. morning. Yeah, it's... Like, he's... Yeah, it's... <laughs> I think it's a deliberate decision and it just adds to this fantastic performance. (laughs) Um, He goes to spy on his brother, Phil, um, where he's getting some with his wife, Jackie. And uh, Harry has some flashbacks to when he was a kid. Well, they're getting a little frisky on the sofa. I think that this is Harry's imagination. Okay. I don't think that Phil and his wife, Jackie would get frisky on the sofa no. with the kids only just going to bed. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's... I think that's all in his imagination. Yeah, that makes sense. Harry's... Yeah. Again, you know, could have done with some neck curtains mm-hmm. or at least closing the curtains. Oh, yeah. You know? The following day, uh, Harry cancels Thanksgiving <laughs> dinner with Phil and his family. I've watched way too many Brian De Palma films. You have. To be keeping my curtains open. Phil has been constantly angered by his brother's odd behaviour, whilst his wife, Jackie, is more sympathetic. Yeah, yeah. And that that's... Again, we're looking at what Gary touched on earlier. None of that support. So his no. brother's not very supportive. Mm-hmm. And later on, his brother says, I wish I just had an older brother like everybody else. But he's not helping... Harry in any way. Mm -hmm. Harry is, in in many ways, one of the forgotten people in a city like New York. Yeah. Such a big city. He's one of the forgotten people. Mm -hmm. You know, never married, never had any kids, wasn't able to sort of be as social as others. Very lonely. Mm -hmm. Um, Struggling with his mental health. And... Forgotten, even by his own family. Mm -hmm. And someone like Jackie is sympathetic, but also, in many ways, also complicit. Yeah. Because she's not active in trying to help. She kind of sort of tells her husband, oh, well, you should treat him a little nicer. Mm -hmm. But she doesn't force it to happen. She doesn't say, no, you better stop. 
treating yeah. him better. Harry spends Thanksgiving at home making a Santa suit and painting Santa's sleigh and reindeers onto his van. Harry bumps into the neighborhood kids on his way home from buying groceries. And again, he's really creepy with Susie. Oh, Susie, it looks so beautiful today. Well, Susie's a very um, well-behaved girl. Yeah. She gets up, she gives him a little curtsy, says thank you very mm. much. Yeah, it's fucking weird. Um, yeah, no, he's weird. So, I again, I, I, don't, I, I don't feel like the intention in 1980 is for him to come across as uh, predatory. No, it, no. It feels that way now. Yeah. But again, but it's like a workplace feel, thing, isn't it? Yeah, I yeah. don't feel like that's the intention. I feel like he finds it easier to interact with children yeah. because he himself has never really grown up. Mm-hmm. Or been able to have grown-up relationships with other adults. Yeah. And I don't don't mean in a sexual way. I mean in in terms of being able to form friendships. Mm -hmm. Or have a strong bond with his brother. Mm -hmm. He's never been able to do that. So I don't don't think the intention is... It does sound creepy. It looks creepy. But I don't think that's the intention. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, because again, it's that same sort of thing as the apartment, uh, the apartment, the uh, the office, the factory, whatever. Yeah. Where it's again, he's seeing it through Santa's eyes, and he thinks he's Santa Claus. Uh, so he's talking to kids. How he thinks Santa talks to kids. Yeah. Which in itself raises just how creepy Santa is in real life. Santa is. <laughs> the idea and of Santa is lie. very creepy for for awful cynical people like myself and Gary. <laughs> The idea of Santa is very creepy. It's just lying to your kids for years about someone breaking into your house and leaving them gifts that you've worked hard to buy. What a fucking weird idea. That is very true. <laughs> it's very... And you're making your kids go and sit on some random guy's fucking lap in a shopping centre. Jesus Christ. Anyway. Um... He's giving Patty and Selma, aren't we? <laughs> well, I have no kids are listening to this. <laughs> Surprise, kids. Santa's not real. Shouldn't be watching this film anyway. Definitely shouldn't be listening to this podcast. That is very true. That's very true. You are the problem, not us. Um, so the kids are like, hey, Harry, what did you wish for today? And he's like, oh, I wish I was magical. One of the other kids said, I wish I could make all the other school kids go away. And everyone's like, and I wish I was a firefighter. That fucking little bastard Mars is like, I wish I had a lifetime subscription to Penthouse magazine. (laughs) (laughs) Harry is fuming at this wish. He runs home, very camp again, and uh, he gets out his burn book. And starts writing, Moss Garcia is the nastiest skank bitch I've ever... <laughs> Excuse me, sorry, wrong film. Uh, he actually um, starts writing down... A, a picture of Susie on his desk, so, by the Okay, way. yeah, we need to... Okay, this this is creepy. Even in 1980, this is creepy. Yeah. How did he get a random photo uh-huh. of Susie Lovett? Yeah. I don't get it, because it's also yeah. like a professional headshot. Uh, <laughs> but he turns it over and says... Susie, you're such a lovely little girl and you don't want to be seeing any of this I'm about to write down. And he writes, uh, 
Musk Garcia throws rocks at dogs. <laughs> now that that I don't agree with. <laughs> Uses profane language. Picks his nose. <laughs> Impure thoughts. Negative body hygiene. <laughs> how how are you getting that close? <laughs> you can sniff it. Moscow C is the MVP of this film. He's such a bad boy and does not give a shit what anyone thinks of him. He's <laughs> Harry runs over to his house and spies on him through the window. He's there watching a horror film. Yes. Well, which one is it? I don't know. Because... I feel like I reckon. No. Oh no! It's later on. Is you it? don't see it. No, you can only hear it's the, it. The um, Lauren Hardy ones later on. Yeah. Harry covers his face in dirt and leaves prints of his hands and lips on Moss Garcia's wall. Moss Garcia's mum takes him to the car, and he's like, "I want to stay at home and watch TV." And his mum's like, "Who do you think you are, your father?" The... <laughs> Again, that humour, isn't it? Um, Harry hides in the bushes and scares Moss. And Moss thinks he's a monster. And Moss's mum gives him a slap for telling lies. And then she says, uh, you would ruin my one night out. (laughs) I feel like the sequel would have been Moss as the murderer. Yeah. Too much penthouse and... uh, an awful relationship with his mother would have made him... Uh... Well, now would be about the right time. Come on, A24. Get that recall made. With Moss Garcia in the lead. <laughs> He's finally got his lifetime subscription to Penthouse magazine. He works for Penthouse magazine. <laughs> oh, Is that still going? <laughs> At the company Christmas party, the owner of Jolly Dream, Mr. Wiseman, announces that the company will donate toys to the children of the local hospital... Provided production increases sufficiently and the employees contribute with their own money. <laughs> this Now, this is the dark humour. Yeah. This, this is... Um, it, it's definitely a comment mm-hmm. on um, what would what we would later know as sort of yuppie culture. Yeah. Really, big businesses um, taking advantage of the little man. Mm-hmm. Very, very against what Santa Claus would do. Yeah. With his elves. Oh, wait. Is he paying his elves? <laughs> Is there an elves union? Now that's the film I want to see. <laughs> the elves union. <laughs> Mr. Fletcher, one of the company's high-ranking executives, introduces Harry to new training executive, George Grosh, who devised the donation scheme. Harry is angry at both for not really caring about the children. That night, he fills bags with toys he stole from the factory and other bags with dirt. Meanwhile, back at the party, everyone's having a boogie to Santa Claus is Coming to Town, the disco version by the Mistletoe Disco Band. Uh, This whole sort of... um, It reminds me of... um, This is a a random reference. But Stephanie McMahon from WWE, she once tweeted that philanthropy is... It's the future of marketing. <laughs> I like, don't think you were meant to, <laughs> to tweet that out. But it's very much that. This George yeah. is like... He doesn't even know how many children need toys or anything like that. He just thinks it's a good marketing scheme to look like you're giving stuff away. Uh-huh. When really you're benefiting from it because number one you're forcing your um employees to work 
more, and secondly, you're just taking money from them anyway. Uh huh. Uh, on Christmas Eve, when things start getting really dark, uh, whilst gluing a Santa beard to his face, Harry enters a weird state that has him convinced that he is truly Santa Claus. Yeah, so definitely he's disassociating now mm-hmm. from reality. Yeah. Um, we could argue that he's been slowly doing that throughout the whole film. Oh, yeah. Um, potentially... He had disassociated the first time we met him. Yeah. 33 years later. Mm -hmm. Because we don't know what's happened in those 33 years. Mm -hmm. So we're sort of slowly seeing him come to the end of this disassociating from reality. But this could have been happening for many, many years Mm -hmm. previously. You know, we haven't seen that. So we don't know what really... Again, this is not being able to trust exactly what we're seeing in yeah. the film. He puts his Santa suit on and uh, starts doing his rounds on the van that he decorated with a sleigh picture earlier on. And That's uh, a um, Santa's sleigh. Yes. Not a sleigh yes. picture. So it's not it's, a sleigh. It's not it's Debbie a... Harry on the front of Penthouse. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Lauren Bacall from uh, The Clown. <laughs> Uh, and uh, he believes uh, to have been trained by Santa Claus's reindeer. Can you name Santa Claus's reindeer? Absolutely fucking not. No, I can't either. <laughs> what a fucking weirdo. He's like, Dixon, Vixen, go. Like, Rudolph. Richard Nixon. France. Prancer, Prance dancer. Okay, maybe we are weirdos if we just named them. No, it's me. Uh, he first sneaks into if there was a radio competition to get a turbo man right now. Oh shit! Useless. Yeah. He first sneaks into his brother's home and delivers toys for his nephews. Then leaves a bag full of dirt at the doorstep <laughs> of Bad Boy Moss. It's what he deserves. Later, Harry drops off toys at the hospital, where he is greeted miserably by the doorman. But cheerfully by the rest of the staff. Yeah, I don't know why the doorman's so angry. <laughs> it's like, the kids are all in bed. Um, but another hospital worker says, uh, Can I ask, who donated all of this? And Harry responds with, People who didn't know how generous they could be. This around the same time Get on when, you, Harry, lad. This may have been around the same time when Cella was going around kids' hospitals. <laughs> it was what yeah. a weird time for poor kids in hospital. Um, yeah. No, no, we're not talking about... No, certainly not. Yeah. No, yes. No. No, certainly not. Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> on the street, Harry is taunted by Kaki, Charles, Peter and Binky. People who are in the film. I feel like these names are a parody of, again, yuppie, yuppie culture. Yeah. We are, it's 1980, so we are getting into that. It's quite, quite early on. Reagan's only just taken the White House. Um, but it's getting to that point. Yeah. So I actually think it's quite ahead of its time, mm-hmm. really. It is set in New York, um, but Binky, come on. Yeah. Um, Kaki. <laughs> fuck? They're leaving Midnight Mass, and uh, Harry brutally murders them in a fit of rage with a toy soldier and a hatchet. 
the most iconic one is the guy who gets the toy soldier's sword right through his eye. Yeah. And it's fucking detailed as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because Harry says, uh, I have something for you. And he says, uh, I have superlative taste. <laughs> and it gets it in the eye. Uh, this is where this I say this is the marker. This is the point where it turns into a slasher film. Um, if there's any point where it is, this I is the suppose. moment. This this is the slashery moment. This is yeah. This is probably its association with a killer Santa. But I think this scene is also why it was a video nasty. Yeah. Um. This is featured quite heavily in the marketing as well. Uh huh. So yeah, it, it's it's pretty gory. It's pretty cool, actually. Yeah, the yuppies got what they deserved. Uh, later, Harry is welcomed at a neighborhood Christmas party where people think he is just some harmless Santa impersonator. He dances and cheers everyone up and makes sure the attendant children know they will have to be good boys and girls to receive their gifts. Um, everyone at this party has at least three other people who look exactly like them. <laughs> um. I don't... Some inbreeding going on there. One looks the fucking same. <laughs> um, I love that this is a great bit of tension building. This yeah. Scene because we've just seen him kill. Mm-hmm. Is somebody going to upset him? Yeah. In the party, is he going to kill again? Mm-hmm. Um. Also, how much of this scene are we believing? Yeah. In many ways, this sadly could be seen as the happiest moment of his life. Mm-hmm. Um, this is him being sort of embraced as Santa. Everyone yeah. refers to him as Santa. No one asks him who's underneath the costume. This is Santa. He's got gifts for the kids. And he is being treated as Santa would be. Mm-hmm. And this is in many ways the happiest moment of his life. This is yeah. what everything has been building to for him. Um, I question how much of it is real. Yeah. Um, which I think gives another edge to the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. The fact that he just wandered into this party. And just, well, like, he's dragged around. in, isn't he? They yeah. find him and they, they do drag yeah. him in, but they start doing dances mm-hmm. And everyone sort of treats him so nicely. And the kids, they, they were asleep and mm-hmm. they wake up. I don't know how kids could sleep through all that fucking racket anyway. But then they wake up and they go, oh, Santa. Mm. You know, how much of this is accurate yeah. to what actually happened? Well, he then breaks into Frank's home, kills him with his sack of gifts and a Christmas tree star and leaves toys behind for the kids. Yeah, um, he has these flashes, doesn't he, of getting revenge on people. Again, we kind of think, well, Frank was a dickhead, actually. Mm -hmm. Does he deserve to die? No, but he was probably on the naughty list as well. (laughs) Yeah. I would have put him on the naughty list. Mm -hmm. But we just couldn't see him kill Moss. No. I, I think that would have been a step too far. So Moss gets some coal on his doorstep. Yeah. But everyone else is punished sufficiently for being on the naughty list. I mean, if they remade it, Moss would definitely know. Yeah. Yes. Uh, he makes a run for his van just as Frank's wife finds her dead husband. 
On Christmas morning, Harry doesn't show up at Phil and Jackie's house. Phil thinks something's up and is really pissed off with him, whereas Jackie is still defending him. They watch a news report by a guy with a killer 70s moustache. He's not ready to enter the 80s yet. He's no, not ready to let it go. This news reporter uh, was apparently a kind of parody of Geraldo. Yeah. Um, who wasn't as known as he would go on to be in the 80s and 90s. But he was kind of... I don't know how to describe Geraldo. I don't... Like... He would do, like, these investigations, but, like, Jeremy Kyle style? <laughs> where it was kind of almost, like, making fun of people. Do you know okay. what I mean? I don't... Yeah. Well, a bit salacious, maybe. It's what the power of YouTube's for, if anyone wants to know. Geraldo. Well, I, I feel like our American listeners would absolutely yeah. know Geraldo. Um, the kids are teasing each other about it, and one of them was like, it's going to get you. I was like, well, I recognise that delivery. <laughs> yeah. Someone's watched Halloween. Um, with his... The uh, original Moss. <laughs> yeah, the original Moss. Moss Garcia. <laughs> Naughty. What's his name? Tommy, uh, Tommy Jarvis. No, Tommy no. Jarvis. Um, Tommy Doyle. No, who's the one? Oh, Lonnie. Him? Yeah, Lonnie. Lonnie. <laughs> um, with his uh, Santa suit dishevelled and dirty, Harry returns to Jolly Dream and activates the assembly lines, breaking all the toys that he considered subpar. Okay. I don't know how it was back then, but those toys look really shit. You know they, they did. <laughs> they did look really bad. They did. And this also brings me to our 10th Santa um, tangent. Something you brought up the other day. Why do we want kids to believe that Santa's making official branded toys? You're not getting sued <laughs> for this. Yes. Yeah. And this is like the sort of toys in media, like the toys they're making here, which actually belong to the producer who had his own toy line and toy factory. Mm. Um, so no tea, no shade, but they all look a little cheap. And this is the sort of shit you can imagine. So it's kind of funny when people get like PlayStations and stuff. It's like, what do you think fucking Santa made that? This is, yeah. We, what were thick. we watching? It was um, Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. <laughs> Thought provoking film. Yeah. And they were making the toys. And I I realized that in sort of Santa law, Santa makes all the toys. <laughs> and I remember distinctly when I was younger, receiving from Santa Claus, <laughs> Mortal Kombat. <laughs> and I thought, oh, um, surely there's copyright laws against this Santa. What are you making uh, Mortal Kombat for? <laughs> Sega will sue you. <laughs> Santa discredits <laughs> so many people. <laughs> oh dear. At the police station. <laughs> don't have to get cynical with age, don't we? Fucking hell. There's the joy of Christmas gone, Gary. Oh, I wish it could be Christmas every day. Yeah. At the police station. No, you wish it could be Halloween every day. Uh, well, yeah. I'm so you, unusual. You are gay after all. <laughs> At the police station, there's a Santa lineup, and the detectives discuss how all of Santa's mythology traces back to New York. Is that true? I don't know. I was under the impression that Santa was based on sort of Norse mythology, yeah. and then it became like a pagan and went into like Coca Cola. <laughs> 
And then we get the Santa that we see now. I mean, Santa never wore red until Coca-Cola advertising and bringing Christmas trees in was never Christian. That was pagan. And Santa was Norse mythology. And it's all become sort of confused over time. For someone who literally just said, I don't know, you really yeah. know a lot. <laughs> but that, if anyone discredits me, I'd be like, well, I did say I don't know. <laughs> okay, uh, Jackie's pacing around the house. <laughs> it's like when you ask me my opinion on things. <laughs> yeah. Jackie's pacing around the house, and this is where she's pouting, she's got the red outfit on, and she looks just like the people's princess. Harry calls Phil to tell him he knows... Is she the people's princess? Jackie? No, Princess <laughs> Diana. Of course she was. Is that... No, it was... That's what she's known as. Wasn't she like Princess of Hearts or something? The fuck? Yeah. Wasn't it something like that? No, it's the people's princess. Oh, no. Goodbye, England's Rose. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Harry calls... <laughs> That's our special guest out with John. We can only afford him for one second. <laughs> Harry calls Phil to tell him he knows all the notes to the tune now. Phil tries to get out of him what he's talking about and where he is. Uh, and Harry just keeps saying more dark and cryptic stuff. And uh, leaves the house with the phone still in place. And <gasps> Jackie, in this scene, she thought it's Sir Oscar scene. She really starts, like, sobbing. Yeah, she was like, oh, Kathleen Turner almost got this role, so I've got to prove myself. <laughs> Harry, like, it was either this or body heat. <laughs> Harry drives away until his van becomes stuck in the snow on a beautifully decorated street with plenty of lights, sending him further into a delusional state. Honestly, girls, same. <laughs> <laughs> he ends up giving some kids presents. Yes. And... The residents shortly recognise yeah. him as the murderer. And they think that he's going to harm the kids. Mm -hmm. And strangely, the kids defend him. This is his imagination. This it has is, to be. I yeah. feel like this is his imagination. Yeah. I feel like everything from now on is 75% his imagination. Yeah. yeah, I think so. The idea that the kids, even after dropping the knife... One of the kids picks it up and gives it to him, mm -hmm. um, taking his sides whilst their parents are scared that yeah. he's going to harm the kids. I think this is in his imagination. Mm -hmm. Kids defending Santa. He is Santa. All that business. Mm -hmm. um, he ends up sort of being able to get away and the residents form a torch-bearing mob to pursue him. Yeah. And th this is Frankenstein. Yeah. yeah, th yeah. This, is, this is Frankenstein's monster being chased with torches. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not being funny. In 1980, there's no need for torches. You've got lamps. Yeah. You've got street lights. There's no need. No. Mm -hmm. This is all in his imagination. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I believe, you know, th this is a, Great reference to Frankenstein because Frankenstein also was somebody who didn't quite understand exactly what they were doing yeah. when they were harming people. Mm -hmm. you know, Frankenstein's monster, excuse me, you know, harmed that little girl out of not being under 
mm-hmm. understanding what that truly yeah. meant. Um, and I believe that Harry is a very similar character in that sense. Yeah, yeah definitely. Somebody who he thinks he's doing right mm-hmm. because he is only killing people who would make his naughty list. Yeah. And therefore he's doing what he believes Santa would do, making the world better and giving presents to kids and all the mm-hmm. kids love him and he's making the world a better place. Yeah. No, I agree. Which makes the film so much more compelling and mm-hmm. deeper than the random slasher yeah. film Christmas Evil. Yeah. yeah. Which is it's just incredible really to think of. But because before I first watched it, I was generally hoping for a nice, fun, little throwaway slasher film. Mm-hmm. Because we love nice, little, fun, throwaway slasher films. Yeah. We also like compelling character stories, too. Mm-hmm. But we didn't. I didn't realise that's what we were going to get. Harry manages to free his van from the snow and drives to his brother's house, where Phil has already started to suspect something is seriously wrong. Uh, Harry confronts Phil, accusing him to have been the root cause of his childhood trauma, as Phil was the one who revealed to Harry that the Santa they saw was actually their father. Yeah, and Phil says, you're blaming your behaviour on me for something I said when I was six years old. Mm-hmm. And I believe this part to be true. Yeah. This is yeah. real. Mm-hmm. And it must be frustrating for someone like Phil to not understand exactly what's going on with Harry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he could go about it a much better way, but you can understand the frustration there. And mm-hmm. to be blamed for all of this, to be blamed on him yeah. for something he flippantly said when he was six. Uh-huh. Something that was that was true. Mm-hmm. You know, Santa was his dad. Yeah. It must be very frustrating. Yeah. Um he starts strangling him, though. He does. Which I don't think is the best way to go about all of this. If I'm being honest. Yeah. He... I gave him a little bit of sympathy, but I don't know why he starts strangling Harry. He chokes him unconscious. Um, Jackie doesn't do a lot. She doesn't. She's still she pouting. She do a little more. Still do the best Princess yeah, Diary She could get a little more involved. Um, he loads him into the front seat of the van, but Harry soon regains his consciousness and punches Phil in the face and drives off again. It's a little bit funny. Yeah. In a bizarre series of events. Something I never expected when I first watched this film. Mm. (laughs) Something that was a great thing to watch when we watched in the cinema last year with people's reactions. The angry mob forces Harry and his van off a bridge. The van is shown to be flying off towards the fucking moon like Greece as a voiceover reads the end of the night before Christmas and that is the end of Christmas Evil. Yes. Wow. We got together. Many people (laughs) think Harry does in fact fly off at the end but others think he drives off the bridge and dies. An explosion can supposedly be heard if you listen carefully. But people debate if the sound effect was from the van exploding or from Harry's brother rolling down the hill into boxes. Um, yeah, I think it's his imagination. I think, I absolutely believe it's his imagination and he does drive off and 
the Vanny experience. Yes, yeah, which is a very, very sad and downbeat ending. Which is, but I suppose leaving it open to interpretation, mm. um, and take from it whatever you want, yeah. really. Yeah, and it, yeah, it's up there amongst some of the best endings of uh, of horror films because it's just so unexpected. Like, and it, but it works. Yes. It works. That's the thing. It's so stupid, but it works considering what the rest of the film's going. With. And depending on what narrative you take whilst you're watching it, and what how you interpret the film, it really works. Yeah, because so the, the film, it guess, is about a killer mm-hmm. a man who believes he's Santa and goes around killing people. But it's also kind of about the spirit of Christmas. Yeah. And the joy of Christmas, too. Yeah. In a weird way. And to see this van with the sleigh mm-hmm. flying through the sky is actually something you would maybe see in, like, a Disney film. Mm-hmm. It's it's a joyful vision to end the film. Mm-hmm. And it's a very dark film at times. It's also a humorous film at times. But I think, ultimately, it is about the joys of Christmas. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a pro-Christmas film. Yeah. No, I don't think... <laughs> Anyone's waging a war against <laughs> Christmas. Um, happy holidays. <laughs> yeah. Any gammons out there? Uh, <laughs> but I don't... There is no war being waged against Christmas then or mm-hmm. now. Um, but I do think it, it's ultimately what the film is about. Yeah. And what a film it is. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Genuinely just gets better all the time. For me. It's such a great film. Discussing it for the podcast definitely just added to my enjoyment of it. And yeah, it's not your, um, if you're looking for a chirpy Christmas film to get you in the spirit, probably not this one. Um, but if you appreciate a good character study and a good Christmas horror film, this is, this is your one. Yeah, it, it, it does a lot of things and it does it so well. It's, it's a great film. It's a great film. It's, you know. Faster, I'm not gonna lie. Um, but ultimately, it's really good, really yeah. fucking good. Should we give it some awards? Yes, of course. Uh, biggest queen has to go to Princess Jackie herself. I disagreed. <gasps> I thought she was a little bland. Oh, I just thought little Susie love it. <laughs> such a, such a lovely little up. girl. Not even Harry's mum. No, little Susie love it. She was so well behaved. She had to get biggest queen. Wow! And I gave I gave that award for you, Harry. <laughs> biggest gasp. Uh, it has to be the fan flying away. For me. Um. Yes, that's true. I I went with the stab in the eye on the church steps. Uh-huh. I suppose because it did feel like it came out of nowhere. But yeah. Of course, the biggest gasp is yeah is the grease ending. <laughs> uh, best dialogue. I have. I want to stay at home and watch TV. Who do you think you are, your father? Um, best dialogue, Moss Garcia throws rocks at dogs, uses profane language, picks his nose, impure thoughts, negative body hygiene. And that's camp for me also goes to Moss Garcia. Um, and Harry putting Moss Garcia on the naughty list 
because he has collected penthouse with Debbie Harry on the front of one of the issues. <laughs> Harry's running. There's a camp. The running's yeah. camp. Uh, I give it nine lifetime subscriptions to Penthouse Magazine out of ten. I give it eight Debbie Harry Penthouse Magazine covers out of ten. And uh, Masterpiece Trash to Piece Trash Space or a Camp or a Bunch of Fun. It's certainly not fun. Um, closest for me is Masterpiece. Yeah, yeah. I, I think... I think a few of the edges I doubt it could have mm. really been a masterpiece. Yeah. yeah. It's available on DVD, Blu-ray, Video On Demand, and Shudder. And if you enjoyed this, I recommend checking out Joker. If you enjoyed this, I recommend checking out Taxi Driver. And uh, also, what was your other one from earlier you said to me before we recorded? Um, Nightmares in a Damaged Brain. Oh, Nightmares yeah. in a Damaged Brain. If you want, that is more of a slasher. If you want, yeah, a character study that's more of a slasher. That's more video nasty territory. Yeah. So, yeah, Christmas Eve was somewhere between the two. Taxi Driver, which is a fantastic film. Um, and Nightmares so is Nightmares in a Damaged Brain. It's a fantastic film, too. Um, oh my yes. god, it's a win win situation. Just watch everything. We are Horrorcourt Trash over on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Horrorcourt Trash on Twitter. I'm Dad at Gaz92 on Letterboxd. Gazmo205 on Instagram. And GazCruise92 on Twitter. I'm Chris Barker823 on Instagram and Letterboxd. And we're also Gasp Horror Festival across all social media. There's just two months left to get your submissions in to be featured at next year's festival. Get it done. Uh, we would greatly appreciate some festive spirit from you all if you went and rate reviewed and subscribed to us on itunes and like to follow it on everything else we had our spotify wrapped and we are very pleased thank you so much for everyone's support yes thank you so much it means a lot the greatest gift this year would be a rate and subscribe and a review and a review rate review and subscribe uh, next week, we're continuing the festive spirit with uh, a slasher film that gets things done the slasher way. Uh, <laughs> a British one at that. We are discussing The Warrior of Love uh? in Don't Open Till Christmas. Um, yes. Lowbrow. <laughs> we're going for lowbrow, lowbrow Christmas. Yeah, lowbrow. lowbrow Christmas next week. Very excited. Yes, we are. Uh, we're back same time, same place next week. Bye.